A draw is better than a loss. I am the champ. Oh my gosh. No, no, no. <laughs> no I, <didn't. laughs> I, I believe that is the quadruple. Aaron Rodgers is phenomenal. Come on, Jared Goff. Come on. Any trade that involves you getting Drew Locke, you probably lost. Well, I guess everyone knew more than I did. The amount of times that you have been on stage with less than reputable clothing. Yes, indeed. We have no shit. Enough said on that. I can neither confirm or deny. Shout out to um, Raccoon Red. Clearly, I have a lot of opinions about this. Hello and welcome to another episode of Improper Fantasy Football. My name is Mark. And I am Biz. Do you remember who I am? Oh my gosh, um, you used to talk about World Cup all the time, I think. That, that's that right? true, yeah. For, yeah. for, the, for, the, for the listeners out there, I just, I just want to say, despite Mark's attempts over the last few weeks, obviously, <laughs> you may not have heard my voice very much. Um, I'm sure, obviously, to, to, you know, to all our listeners out there, very disappointed. <laughs> I'm not going to go quietly, and I'm still here, ready to take my co-host down, as I always do, and we're going to talk some fantasy so, um, so yeah, how, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing great, man. Just uh, kind of enjoying the victory that the Seahawks had this past weekend. Uh, enjoyed watching a lot of awesome football. But uh, we're going to get to all of that when we get into that. Uh, how did your shows go? Went really well, yes. Yeah, it's, it's, it's been strange being back. I, I spent three and a half months back home in the UK. And, yeah, I had a great time, although, you know, I was working. But I did have a bit of a holiday as well. So, yeah, it was unbelievable. I mean, I... I it's weird thinking that I spent over a quarter of this year back home, but I can't complain. It's it's always I'm from there, so I I always feel at home when I'm there as well. So it's 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 very strange. Um, I always kind of get back into life, and yeah, it's you know obviously at the moment um, the Rugby World Cup is happening as well, which was obviously a big thing that's happened over the last couple of weeks, and um, obviously the football season started as well. Some big games, Champions League starts again today. So switching sports all of a sudden. So um, yeah, I'm going to have to get back into the <laughs> NFL. I think that's a perfect opportunity to be able to slide into our icebreaker question. With you essentially having missed most of the first two weeks, other than highlights yeah. and stats yeah. and me texting you saying, oh my God, did you see this? What game do you regret missing so far this season? I think to have it down to just one game is very difficult. There are some games, even the Washington Commanders-Broncos game, that ending was insane. On the weekend, I would say from the first week, honestly, the Dolphins Chargers is probably the one that I, I thought that's where you were going to go. That, that's the one that I I would have loved to have watched. It just sounded like an amazing game. And obviously this week, the Eagles Vikings on Thursday night was supposed mm -hmm. to be a pretty good game. And then as much as it pains me to say this, your lot against the Lions was, was clearly another game of the week. So, yeah, but <laughs> I, I did switch on to watch the Panthers against the Saints yesterday, which wasn't really a humdinger, but I did I did sit down and watch some live NFL. So um so oh, yeah. Gosh. And I did watch some of the Brown Steelers as well because on ESPN did you Plus. See yeah. the, the the Nick Chubb injury. Did you get a chance yeah, to see that? It's um it's pretty horrific. Um when you see a leg just bent the other way like that. We'll talk about it a bit later, but um just uh, you know, you mentioned this as well, just they always talk about the curse of John Madden, the, the curse of Monday Night Football over the last few, the, the last three games, as you mentioned. I mean, Damar Hamlin, Aaron Rodgers, and now Nick Chubb. I mean, yeah, you can't make this stuff up. It's just really sad to see. It is sad to see. And listeners, uh, if you had a chance to be able to watch that Nick Chubb injury, um, let us know if you think that he's going to be coming back 
next year or so. Like, I, I'm worried that that might have been career-ending injury. But listeners, let us know what you thought about the Nick Chubb injury. Uh, go ahead and uh, send us a message at our Twitter, at Improper Fantasy Football. Or if you just want to go ahead and send that privately, separately, you can go ahead and uh, email us at improperfantasypodcast at gmail.com. And while we're on the subject of communication, uh, if, if there's anybody that you know that might be interested in this podcast, please send them your favorite recent episode. Uh, we'd love to be able to get more people to be able to listen we love our listeners, and uh, we've gotten uh, an uptick in listeners, but let's just go ahead and uh, try to get that surging a little bit more again. Let's go ahead and uh, talk about the uh, the Fantasy League for a second. In our league, the top fantasy performers of last week were quarterback Kirk Cousins, wide receiver Puka Nakua. Biz, is this a name that you've heard? Yes, I have. Yes. he's an absolute stud. And he I'm is. Like, I, I don't know who has him in our league, but... That is a pick. You can just tell he's because Cooper Cup has injury history, and who knows when he's going to come back if he comes back this year. But even if he does, this guy looks amazing. So I believe he's already the is he the second highest or third highest fantasy wide receiver in terms of scoring. I think um, he's he's in that top three area, and he's yeah, already set yeah. the record for most receptions uh, for a rookie to start his career in two games. Yeah, Matt Stafford clearly likes him, and that's been the knock-on Rams receivers of the past couple years, that the only receiver that Stafford trusts has been Cup, and now he's got another weapon, so that's scary. Brian Robinson Jr. was the top fantasy running back this past week. He had a heck of a game. He did. Not really shocked that he did well, but he because he is a starting caliber running back, and now he's getting going. Yeah, I mean, obviously, we, we all know, like, his history, you know, he came back from a horrific, you know, he was shot in the leg, I believe. Came back six, I mean, four, for a, four to six weeks later. Right, for a running back. Yeah, he came, he came back very soon. So it's great to see him doing his thing. Um, I, I am a little bit surprised at how good he's been, Washington being 2-0. and Great performance by him. The top surprise for most people, fantasy performers, uh, Daniel Jones essentially put on an entire game worth of stats in the second half and that amazing comeback against the Cardinals. Again, we'll talk about that later. Um, And I'm going to give two surprise fantasy performers that I'm willing to just state that after this week, these players will not be surprise players anymore. And that is Puka Nakua, that a lot of people thought it was just a one-shot wonder. Pukanuku is here. He he is a, a top receiving threat for Matt Stafford. We're not going to be surprised again. And similarly to that, Tyron Williams, also for the Rams, who has usurped Cam Akers after the first week, uh, to the extent that Cam Akers yep. apparently won't play with them anymore. Well, and yep. we'll talk about that later. Yeah, as you mentioned, I mean, the story coming out is that apparently Cam Akers is, is going to be traded, um, or they're looking for a trade partner for Cam Akers. Um yeah, Karen Williams obviously looks to have taken over the number one position. And obviously, I mean, Cam Akers was always, he was okay, but um, this guy looks to have usurped him, as you say. Um, and he's going to be their number one option moving forward. Sean McVay even stated that if he's not traded, there's not going to be an opportunity for him to play with the team again. Um, right. I, I, I can't recall what the actual conversation was, uh, but he was, he mentioned on... Uh, social media that he was confused about being inactive, and uh, McVay had said that he uh, he thought he was very very clear with what his role was right now. And Acres is just he he's been trying to do and say whatever he can to be able to not be with the team recently over the past four five six days. So it's right. It, it's a weird situation, but we'll get to that in a bit. 
League recapping our games. Uh, we have two teams that are starting to emerge as what who may be the best teams right now. Uh, Justin, who has just been on a tear for the first two weeks. Uh, he's currently the, the pole position with most points and all that. And, and Ryan puts up another top finish this past week to go to second place in the league. Biz, you had your first win of the season come at the expense of one Ned. I How's did indeed. A win is a win is a win. Because to be honest, if I played anyone else, I would have got absolutely smashed. So, so. It's not how you win. It's the fact that you won. I t thank you. I, I'm glad, you know, it's, it's getting that W. And um, I'm on the board. I'm one on one. Honestly, I'm happy, but also stunned at this. Because on Thursday night, after the news came out that Kenneth Gainwell obviously wouldn't be playing, and I have DeAndre Swift, and I went against my better judgment and I left him out because I just thought, oh. and I'm not going to make this mistake again, I think, mm -hmm. with DeAndre Swift. I mean, we saw what he did in Detroit and I, mm -hmm. I left him on the bench because, and I'm going to get into this a bit later, but like, or about Najee Harris, because I, I listened to you and Mark last week and we all know how Mark feels about Najee Harris. He's mm -hmm. like CEH 1A and Najee Harris is 1B for him. And I'm starting to jump on that bandwagon because Najee Harris just, He's just not very good. He's just not. Last year, he just regressed. And this year, he hasn't done much. His rookie year, he was good. And I, I left DeAndre Swift out thinking, no, Najee Harris will bounce back. We all know what DeAndre Swift did. I think he rushed for 175 yards and a touchdown. I think he mm -hmm. scored 26, 27 points. It was unbelievable. Went on a tear. And I left him out after Thursday night because um, Ned had already had amassed 35 points or so. And I was just like, well, this is over. And, and somehow I conspired to beat him. And Justin Fields didn't have a good day. Josh Jacobs didn't have a good game. Neither did Najee Harris. Really, it was Devontae Adams and Mike Williams. And, and Brandon McManus was, I think, my like fourth mm -hmm. high scorer. I left so many points on the bench. I went against my better judgment again when Amari Cooper was declared fit. And I left him out because I was just unsure. And sometimes when that happens with a the player, they go, oh, they're going to be active after an injury and you just don't see him on the field or they come in for like two snaps. And I just thought, you know what? And I'm not going to. And so I actually literally before the game, I picked up Rashid Shahid for yep. New Orleans, um, who actually was very good. He scored 10.3 um, points. And so I was happy with that, but I left Amari Cooper who ended up getting seven receptions, 90 yards. And then I also, I had Adam Thielen. I decided not to play him. He was initially going to be my other wide receiver. And I just thought, well, Carolina, new quarterback, they're just not very good. And he goes and gets 19.4 points. I also picked up KJ Osborne in the draft and he got 11. So I left so many points on the bench and somehow managed to win by 10 points. So I got lucky. We talked about Puka Nakua. However, flying under the radar is Tutu Atwell, who yep. has been very, very good so far. That one-two punch. He's scored 17.9 points in the first game, 15.2 last week. So I, I may well put him in as like my number two wide receiver. You know, I'm looking at my team and weirdly, last year I had the opposite problem. My running backs were studs. I had Nick Chubb. I had Josh Jacobs, Austin Eckler. Wide receivers I couldn't do. And, and this year I'm almost the opposite because Josh Jacobs has not been good. Najee Harris, we all know what's going on there. But I do have DeAndre Swift. So I think moving forward, I'm definitely going to pay DeAndre Swift. And yeah, so I got the win and I'm happy. I'm one on one. You know, Justin Fields hasn't done much, but I'm on the board. On the exact opposite end of the spectrum, uh, I lost in heartbreaking <laughs> fashion. Oh, this Andy, is brilliant. As a result of the, uh, the Monday night games. Music to Not, my ears. 
not only did I lose to go to 0-2, putting Andy to 2-0, I lost, I amassed 119.6 points and lost to 119.8 points, losing by 0.2 points. And really, the only player he had going to that last game that could help him was Jalen Warren. And Jalen Warren, he's had great games when Najee Harris doesn't play, but I think this was his best outing, like sharing the ball. And literally, he just needed to carry the ball one fewer time, but it was not to be. Andy, hats off to you. You're now at the top scrum with all the undefeated teams, and I'm uh, down at the bottom with all the other winless teams with Jerry and Improper Mark. So, so you know what they say about karma. Um, and do you know, last, last year, getting into the playoffs, you know, I had a similar experience when I played Justin. And I believe I lost by, I think it was 0.2 or 0.25, mm-hmm. or it might have even been, been less than that. <laughs> so, you know, sometimes karma comes back to, to you know, to, to bite you in the, uh, in the behind. And, um, you know, so I feel, because as I said, you know, it was co-commissioner. We could have sorted this out. We could have said, you know, if you're within so you're a certain saying range, that the karma is the fact... You're you know saying that the karma tools. was not me doing any nefarious back dealings. That it was the um, fact that I that I stood by the rules. Well, it was point. part. It was partly that, but also partly because we all know that not just when I played Justin last year, but also in in the last week. Uh, just as a quick recap, I could have got in the playoffs had a certain someone won won their their last game. Um, I tried and, my best. <laughs> oh well, you sound so sincere. You've heard it here first, people. He sounds so sincere. But anyway, let's move on. Let's move on. <laughs> but just to recap a couple of things, there was one major mistake I made last week that I don't think I'm going to make again. Uh, and that's, I, for the second week in the row, I left Jordan Addison on the bench. Like, one mm. game in the first week of the season, I'm like, okay, he looks pretty good. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to, like, just, like, usurp the other players on my bench because of that. And he, he showed up again, so I'm like, okay, Jordan Addison has just got to be a player that I play every single week. And the player I was contemplating benching this past week was Chris Godwin, who, you know, had I made that switch, I would have won. Going forward, I don't think I would make that switch anymore. I, I think Drake London, who had a good game this past week, yeah. but you just don't see him getting the targets in, in these games that are happening. So I've got a tough yeah. situation going forward. Yeah, but I think it's anyway, tricky. Yeah. Well, I was just going to say, I think it's tricky with that because... It's hard because you always look at projections and it's hard not to. And I, I really try not to look at projections because I do think, I don't want to say like they, they do matter, but for me, it's going on your gut because I'm like, I should have played DeAndre Swift. Like he was clearly going to be the number one back, but he was still, that there were still reports that, well, you know, they might share the load with Boston Scott. And I'm like, DeAndre Swift is a number one running back. Like he was for Detroit for however long he was there. And so I'm like, you know, and so again, I, I went against my better judgment, and so yeah, I'm 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 going to try not to look at projections as much, um, and and I hate to say sort of go on your gut, but go on like, well, do you think this person is going to get their fair share of touches? Yeah, and at this point, you don't know that about Drake London because they run the ball so intentionally, and yeah, they target their wide receivers so rarely, and I think part yeah. of that is the. They want to make sure that Desmond Ritter is comfortable with the spread. But at the same time, this is very similar to what you saw that Tennessee offense the past, the, the years that Arthur Smith was their OC. So even though Drake London has the potential to have a great game, he's yeah. going to be limited by what the offense is. So I think yeah. for me, Jordan Addison is a better play right now just because of how much the, the Vikings are throwing the ball. Yeah. 
One last thing I want to say before we move on to our recaps. I would give all the awesome praise to Ryan for the first couple of games of the season. But I also just want to let you know that on his team, he has Nick Chubb and Saquon Barkley. Oh. And also Aaron Jones, who did not play this past week as well. Now, to his credit, he also picked up Kyron Williams, who has exploded yeah. onto the team. So he does have one decent running back. But the only other, other running back on his team is Isaiah Pacheco, who... You know, you just, don't yeah, know you just don't know from week to week. Ryan, you may be <laughs> going to the waiver wire this next week or even a trade for some trades. Yeah, exactly. indeed. Indeed. I may be looking for. Well, I, I was going to say he he does have Karen Williams and that is a great pickup, at yeah. least for one of his uh, obviously for Nick Chubb. He's clearly going to be out for a while, whatever yeah. the diagnosis is. Because I think he's going to be very good, Kyron Williams, as a fantasy player, because also he can well, catch Kyron Williams is currently running back two for fantasy for the first right, of this game. Right, right. So, you know, he did a good pick up there. And obviously, Saquon Barkley, we obviously don't know like how long. It, they, they reckon maybe three or four weeks. Um, yeah. But he's going to be out for a few weeks at least. So, Yeah. And there's going to be a lot of opportunities for other running backs to to be picked up this next week because of all the injuries that have happened. This is the time of year. You're going to see people at the beginning of the season start to suffer these injuries because of, you know, off-season doesn't give you the amount of conditioning that it used to. So opportunity, just get to that waiver wire. Moving along, we have, and like we kept talking about all the, the negatives of this past week, and honestly, this was a fascinating weekend to watch, and we're going to start was. with yeah. the Thursday night shootout between the Eagles and the Vikings. Vikings coming back and, and, and making it close to bring it to a 34-28 loss. But, you, you know, like we can go ahead and continue to say the, well, you know, Kirk Cousins doesn't shine in, in fantasy or he doesn't shine as like a winner, but he did awesome this past week. Um, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go that far. I mean, he, was, he was quarterback I mean, one in fantasy. Okay, so you're separating. Are we are we talking about the game or fantasy? Because Both. you can't. No, because you can't look at that game and say Kirk Cousins was great just because he was a top performer in fantasy. Because he wasn't His that good. Fourth quarter was awesome. His second half was awesome. Now, yeah, okay, but then what about he led the his team half? to go down twenty to right. seven, and that and, and wasn't again, good. And again, you you just literally just mentioned this. It's Kirk Cousins, the narrative about him. But the narrative about him is, is correct. He, he do, this is exactly what he does time and time and time and time and time again. He will bring the team back to within a, a, a field goal or a touchdown or he bring them yeah. right back and you think, oh, this is, this is you know, game time now. The, Vi the Vikings are going to win this. And then it just crumbles before them. He, he cannot get them over the line. He cannot... He cannot get them to that next point. Um, and and I, I sort of don't have anything more to say about that. I mean, people sort of know how I feel about Kirk Cousins. I just don't trust him in... And again, it's separating fantasy from that because the fantasy quarterback, yeah, he does put up numbers. I, I, he's just not going to... He's, he's not going to do it when it counts. He doesn't have that X factor, that mm -hmm. moxie, whatever you want to call it. Like, do you trust him when it matters? Do you trust him with a ball... <laughs> Ball in his hand with two minutes to go after the two-minute warning to drive the Vikes down the field and score a touchdown. I mean, there are probably 15 other quarterbacks in the league that I would, I would take over Kirk Cousins in that particular instance. 
I'm not sure if I'd take 15 quarterbacks over Kirk Cousins. And in fact, part of the reason why Justin saying, is I... doing so successfully this season, the reason why Justin is doing successfully this season is he targeted Kirk Cousins as a later quarterback to pick up because he knew that he would just get points even though he's not winning. If you're talking about an NFL quarterback perspective, yes, he doesn't have the killer instinct. But if we're talking fantasy, and I know you love to talk fantasy, he, he's a great quarterback to have on your team to start the year so far. Fair enough. I'm just gonna. I wasn't saying there are 15 quarterbacks I would take over Kirk Cousins. I was saying oh. in that instance, last mm. game-winning drive, two minutes to go, minute and a half to go, that there are probably 15 other quarterbacks that I would trust more in that situation than Kirk Cousins. Fair enough. Although to his credit, he had a touchdown with a minute 10 to play, and they just didn't get the the onside kick. But at the same time. They should have been putting more points up in the first half if they knew that they were going to be right. Exactly, and and, oh, and yeah. you can't rely on an onside kick because they don't obviously ninety nine exactly. percent of the time exactly. they don't work. So yeah, looking at the rest of the Vikings team, uh, Alexander Madison still kind of looking like he's not Dalvin Cook. Eight carries for seven yards, and uh, the receivers. Gosh, if you had picked up any of these receivers this past week, you already mentioned KJ Osborne. I mentioned mm. Jordan Addison. TJ mm. Hawkinson had. Seven catches, 66 yards, and two touchdowns. And Jay Jettas doing Jay Jettas things. 11 yeah. receptions for 159 yards. Honestly, you could have picked any of the main receiving targets for Minnesota for this past week, yeah. and you'd be happy. And if you have them on your team, you really should be looking at them like, mm, I probably should be considering one of the Minnesota receivers for my team. I think you're right. I mean, it was a weird game because I think this sometimes happens with fantasy. A team goes up a lot. So then mm-hmm. the other team has to throw it. Yep. And the Vikings have a stellar receiving core. Really good. I mean, obviously they've got JJ and then they've got TJ Hawkinson, obviously. He's an unbelievable like, trade for them. And then they have Addison and, and KJ Osborne, who, you know, KJ Osborne last year was, was pretty good. And, and yeah, mm-hmm. it's tricky with me because I, you know, sh- should I put him in as a flex or a wide receiver too? But it's, a, it's definitely a consideration there. Yeah. 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 Looking over on the Philadelphia Eagles side, who did come out on the winning side of this team, uh, Jalen Hurts looked really good. Um, yeah. From fantasy, you got your points. Now, he didn't put up the gaudy passing yards. He was 18 for 23 for 193 yards, a touchdown, and he did throw a pick. But he also had two scores on the ground, which is what Jalen Hurts is known for, uh, getting those one-yard rushes, uh, ended up with 12 carries for 35 yards, but he gets it done. He does. I mean, he's got to that point now where... Yeah, he's he's someone you trust, even when he's not putting up those stellar numbers that we saw last year. I mean, mm-hmm. there's you know the, the Eagles are two and zero, and I think a lot of people are saying they they haven't really played that well, and so you know, it, but isn't that a good thing? You're you're two and zero, you're undefeated. It's yep. better than being at zero and two and not playing well, or zero and two and playing quite well, and you know, so that, there's room for them to grow. And it is early in the season and, and they're still, you know, and they've won both their games and that's all you can ask for at this stage. And they, you know, Kenneth Gainwell goes down. DeAndre Swift goes and balls out completely. Um, I think that was a, a big, big addition to them. I, DeAndre I, I Swift mean, coming away with 175 yards and a touchdown. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, that's big, big time numbers. Big time receiver too. Uh, people think of AJ Brown as being the guy who gets it done, but Devontae Smith no, went Devontae off. Smith. Four yeah. receptions for 131 yards and a touchdown. Yeah. Yeah, he's... What, what well, are they but, calling him? The Slim Reaper? <laughs> the, both of them. I mean, they are just... There's, to me, with them, there's not really a... 
a one-two there. They are they are both legit number one. They are number teams. one, number one, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. And the Eagles are. I mean, again, that 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 offense is just is stacked a bit like Minnesota's, but they the Eagles have a really good defense as well, and so I think that's that's what sets them apart. So. Moving games along, we're going to go ahead to one of the early Sunday games, a game that everybody knows that I was absolutely thrilled to watch the way the game ended. Uh, oh, my gosh. That, I wonder who, what game that was. Seattle winning in an overtime thriller against the Detroit Lions, a game that nobody gave the Seahawks really a chance after the, the slugfest that the Lions destroyed, well, not destroyed, after the slugfest that the Lions came out on top against the Chiefs, and after the Seahawks just kind of like laid out in the middle of the road and died against the Rams in the second half of the previous week. But Seahawks did Seahawks things. Geno Smith threw for over 300 yards and two touchdowns, no picks. Um, And they just distributed the ball very, very well. Kenneth Walker had a hard time getting things going, only 43 yards rushing and two scores. That was great. But the receivers just really made it happen, and it was yeah. everybody. Metcalf had 75 yards. Lockett had 59 yards and two scores. Tight end Noah Fant got 56 yards. Colby Parkinson got 40 yards. Will Disley got 35 yards. All three of them being tight ends. And, of course, Jackson Smith and Jigba hauled in five catches. So not bad for the Seahawks today. Really the only fantasy guys you would have wanted this past week were Geno, Walker, and Lockett. But you would have been happy if you had had Metcalf as well. Yeah, I mean, you're right. It, it was interesting to me because a lot of people were, were, were giving the Seahawks no chance because of what happened to them last week. But I but also think, again, it's week two, and we, we sometimes get into these this sort of hyperbole situations of like, oh, the Seahawks got smashed by the Rams. Great. Okay, well, let's not play the rest of the season because it's like yep. it's clear the Seahawks are rubbish. And, you know, to me, it's clear that the Rams are actually quite a good team. I know yes. they lost to the 49ers. But they're not the team... They're, right, they're not the team that they were a year ago at that Super Bowl hangover. That happens to a lot of teams. They've rebuilt a little bit. They're, they're, they're not going to be... They've obviously got Sean McVay coaching them. They've got a very good quarterback, and I know he was injured. But like he's come back. They're, they're going to be better this year, and they've already shown that. Getting smashed by the Rams probably wasn't that much of a disgrace. But the Seahawks are a good team, and they showed they've got some kind of fight going into Detroit. Um, Detroit just beat the champs on opening night. So... It's probably a tough environment. It, it was a great win for them. And I have to say, although my, my favorite moment of the game was clearly the ref saying, I'm talking to America right now. Oh, when my Gino God. Got on his face. That was so, I'm so just like, that good. Is that was so I know, good. I know. I'm talking to America. You heard it there first. The ref Did is talking to America. Did you see the sound bite people. from Gino the previous week too? No, no, I didn't. I didn't. Uh, so this is the second week in a row where Gino Smith was involved in the most viral soundbite from the NFL. Previous week, he was uh, went back for the snap, and then Aaron Donald comes at him unblocked, and he's mic'd up, and he just goes, oh, my God, and just throws the ball away. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, yes. I did see that. I did see that, actually. Yeah. But yeah. excuse me, I'm talking to America has to be an all-time great yes. quote. Yeah. Yeah. Moving on to the Lions, though, they looked really good, too. Jared Goff, similar numbers to Gino. 323, three touchdowns and a, and a yeah. pick. Uh, his yeah. first pick in the third longest stretch without an interceptions, and it came on a pick six to Trey Brown. Mm. Uh, David Montgomery got 67 yards on the ground and a touchdown, but then left the game with an injury, so that might make Jameer Gibbs have to step up yeah. into a bigger role yours. than they would want. He's one of yours, isn't he? He's one of mine. Yeah. But yeah. The, the wide receiver core is really where this happened. Uh, 
Amonra St. Brown, six catches for 102 yards. Sam Laporta, the rookie, got five catches and 53 yards. Yeah. Khalif Raymond, if he'd had to play him this past week, would have gotten you some decent points with 46 yards and a touchdown. But the really the the interesting name from this past game yeah. was Josh Reynolds. Josh Reynolds, yeah. Getting 66 yards and two touchdowns, who's quickly becoming a reliable target for Jared Goff. So even when Jamison Williams comes back, there is a good chance that Josh Reynolds is just going to have that rapport with Jared Goff. If he is still on your waiver wire in any of your leagues, like right now, I don't know how that would happen. If he's still there, go ahead and pick him up because he's going to be a reliable targets uh, individual. Uh, I, yeah, no, I agree. I, I agree with that, that Josh Reynolds. I, I had him last year for, for a part of the year, and he's become mm-hmm. kind of an integral part of that offense. He's a good, he's a good role player, and, and I, I think he's going to be like the number two. And I, and I think, yeah, if he's on the waiver wire, he's someone to target. Mm-hmm. Moving on to... A game that, saying it sounds weird, but I think it was more expected than not. Baltimore goes into Cincinnati and wins a close game against the Bengals. It's really weird that this happens in Cincinnati, but the Ravens, currently their team is, they're probably the, the most complete boring-to-watch team right now. Um, the because Ravens. you're not The Ravens, because you're seeing Lamar Jackson get out there, but he hasn't done anything like stretch dynamic no. yet this year. Uh, they had J.K. Dobbins go down, and they're trying to get everything going. Their receiving core was led by Nelson Aguilar this past yeah, week, but the team's yeah. just built strong and good and consistent, while Joe Burrow re-aggravates his calf injury, and there's now a question as to whether or not he's going to go for the next game. But Lamar Jackson puts up a good game, 237 yards, two touchdowns. He rushes for 54 as well. You know, it, it's not what I would expect out of a Lamar game, but it's good enough to get it done. Yeah, they, they like you said, they've just been solid. I mean, you know, they're two and zero, and and I'm mm-hmm. starting to come around. I mean, they're going to be good this year. I think. I think they've shown that they haven't even, I, I think, really hit the heights that they can. Lamar Jackson hasn't had one of his spectacular games no. yet, and they no, they played they the Texans in... and they played a True. beat up Bengals. So I, I'm well, really high on him, but I'm not stumping my chest yet at this point. Yeah, and but. You know, they, they do have some injury like issues, obviously, with J.K. Dobbins, and they're trying to sort out the running game. And, and the maybe receiving core o- o- Odell Beckham Jr. too. Yeah, that's true. Um, they're receiving call with, you know, basically Mark Andrews is, is obviously the number one target always. Yeah. Um, he's kind of become the Travis Kelsey of the, of like the Ravens. You know, he's really, I mean, the sort of one weapon on offense apart from Lamar Jackson worth having in terms of fantasy. But yet they're 2 and 0. And, and, you know, their defense is pretty good too. So they're just kind of marching along quite quietly, I think. Well, I would agree with you that they've really only got two reliable weapons, Lamar Jackson and Mark Andrews. Don't sleep on Zay Flowers, the rookie who's actually put True. up some decent numbers the first couple yeah, of weeks. amazing catch. Amazing yeah. catch. Yeah, great game. But uh, on, on rushing, Gus Edwards put up a respectable 62 yards and a touchdown off of only 10 carries. But I want to point out, like he only had 10 carries. Justice Hill had 11, Lamar Jackson had 12. Like, unless they make a trade for one of these running backs that's on the trade wire, like maybe they go after Cam Akers, maybe they pull the trigger mm. and get Jonathan yeah. Taylor. But right now, the only, the only member of the running attack for this team that you really want to have on your team right now is just Lamar Jackson. Uh, looking at the other side, Joe Burrow had, you know, kind of a medium game for him this past week, 27 uh, of 41 for 222, two touchdowns and a pick. Uh, this is not like the 300-plus three-touchdowns game that we're expecting out of the explosive Cincinnati Bengals offense, is it? No. There's definitely some early-season problems there. 
Um, and I'll sort of leave it at that until we kind of talk, get into depth a little bit more. But um, but yeah, he, he was injured, Joe Burrow. Mm-hmm. And, and it might be Browning his, coming in. This, this, it might be. Well, he was injured in the game, but obviously preseason he was injured, and so this is part of maybe the sort of rehabilitation process where he's just not at the races at the moment because he's trying to get back to form. And we'd seen this in years past where he's had issues in preseason. He's he has stumbled out of the blocks a little bit, and then he's righted the ship. So, like, if you're a Bengals fan, there's no reason at this point to to jump off of a cliff or to jump off of the bandwagon if you're just a band, bandwagon Bengals fan. But the, the beginning of the season is, is starting off slow, which can always be concerning. Uh, yeah. Joe Mixon had a very un-Joe Mixon-like game, just hundred. Uh, sorry, just 59 yards. Uh, T. Higgins looked great, 89 yards and two touchdowns, but Tyler Board, 52 yards. Uh, Jamar Chase, five catches for 31 yards. This is not what yeah. you expect. I'll tell you what, man. The game that was that had me, I, I hate to say this, the game that had me like glued to my seat this past week that wasn't the Seahawks game was the Washington Commanders at the Denver Broncos. <laughs> did you see did. this ending? I did. I did. Um, wow. The ending, the ending was, was insane. I mean, I will say that was probably the best Russell Wilson has ever looked in a Denver uniform. I, I could, well, I can't re- remember a great game he had last year at all. But he was he was pretty good against Washington, and he brought them back. But that hail mary was they would say the first rule of a hail mary is knock it down, and when it throw it was almost like a uh, they sort of threw Played it volleyball. in the air. They thought it was volleyball, wasn't it? And I yeah. and I was like, what are you doing? And so then it just deflected, and then obviously you know Denver catches it in the end zone, and yeah, and then and and then they couldn't convert on the two point. But it was a it was a crazy. It was a crazy ending. I mean, the game itself wasn't that great. Um, Washington again, two and zero, and you know, I, I Sam Howell was actually, you know, he's been he's Sam been pretty Howell good, really been, good in this. He's game. been pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he yeah, did look I think, good. Now, he, Sam Howell hasn't shown himself to be dynamic yet, uh, and he did no. take four sacks, although Russ took seven, but. The thing that I'll say about Howell is he's, he's willing to throw the ball 30, 35, 40 times a game, and he's willing to take shots. You're seeing that gunslinger mentality, and sometimes that'll work out for you, sometimes it won't, and in this game, right. it did work out for him. Yeah. He had 299 yards, two touchdowns, and no yeah. picks. Yeah, and he was, he was good. And obviously, we talked about Brian Robinson Jr. Obviously, yeah. he had a good game. He seems to be a legit weapon, a legit number one. And they still have Antonio Gibson they got Scary Terry, who's one of the best receivers in the league, has been for a few years. Yeah. Um, so they do, they do have some pieces there that they can work with, and they might yeah. be a difficult... They're a well-coached team. The enemy and, is getting things done. Yeah, he is. He is. A quiet day for Jahan Dotson, though, uh, after a lot of people hyped him up the previous week. But, yeah. you know, Scary Terry and Brian Robinson made things happen. The interesting thing about what Sam Howell did... There's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten different people caught passes from Sam Howell in this game. He spread the ball out. They look good. I mean, I will say on the other side again, despite what I said about Russell Wilson, he does just look like a quarterback that's regressed. Um, yeah. And I, he just doesn't have that Russell Wilson thing anymore. And, he'd, uh, and, and it's sad. It's sad to see. I mean, again, mm-hmm. his early doors with Sean Payton, but he, he's just... And maybe it's from that time his last year in Seattle where he was injured and he just 
you know, but he, he just doesn't have that X factor anymore. Um, I don't think he scares people. I don't think he scares people either. And really, it was shock plays that got Russell Wilson to the to the fantasy points that he did. Because if you take yeah. away the flea flicker that ended yeah. up with Marvin Mims being open for a 60-yard touchdown, yeah. if you take away the Hail Mary at the very end of the game, Russell Wilson ends up with a stat sheet that is 198 yards and one touchdown and one pick. If yeah. you take away those two fluky plays. Now, granted, you can't take them away. He did them. He put the ball where they needed to go. Yeah. And that moon ball at the end of the game for the Hail Mary, nobody does wow. that one ball better than Russ. No, that's true. That's true. Yeah. This game was not really reassuring as far as the rest of the fantasy prospects. Jerry Judy, Jerry Judy was very slow to get into the game. Brandon Johnson was a leading receiver, but mainly off of the one Hail Mary catch, which is a fluke. Marvin Mims Jr. had two receptions, but 113 yards and a touchdown, so he had two big bombs. So actually, if you take away the two catches that Marvin Mims have, that takes out another 53 yards. We're not going to do that to Russ. He got his receptions. But overall, not really encouraging for the, the Broncos playmakers. Yeah. Talking about some interesting comeback action here, the Giants against the Cardinals. Giants were down 21-0 to at one point in this game. Yeah. Daniel Jones yeah. looked like who we thought he was for the whole first half and then woke up and was arguably the best fantasy quarterback for a second half in any game this past week. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just uh, we have this saying in, in, in football, proper football, it's a tale of two halves. And it was. I mean, they mm -hmm. were down. They looked, they, they looked like they carried on, obviously, where they left off from yep. the Cowboys match. And then all of a sudden, Danny Dimes just, like, springs to life. And, and then they just go on a tear. But, again, context matters, competition matters. I just don't think the Cardinals are any good. No, so, I don't think anybody does either. Though so Josh Jobs looked good. It did look good. I mean, it's a, bit, it's a bit like, you know, last year with the whole Vikings against the Colts. And it's just like, well, oh, yeah, again, context, yeah, context matters. Yeah. And it's just like, well, it was an amazing thing, but not really because the Colts were just got awful last year. And so yeah. coming back from 21 points down to anyone is obviously a, a, a big feat in the NFL. You know, they, they, I hate to sound a cliche. There are no really easy games. So kudos to the Giants, particularly, I think, to show that heart and fight after the capitulation that happened <laughs> against Dallas, I think that shows that they're, they're, a, they're actually a pretty well-coached team by Brian, Brian Dayball, who has got them at least playing for each other and fighting for each other and saying, because I think a lot of other teams, their heads would have just gone. Their heads would have gone down and they would have been like, oh, this game's over, like, you know, let's quit. And they didn't quit and they showed up and they got the win. And I think it shows a lot of progress, really, that they can, after what happened against Dallas, which was really embarrassing, to then be 21 points down um, against Arizona and then come back and win. That shows they got a lot of heart, I think, in that team. And they did this in a game where Saquon Barkley went down, having his torso yes. bent to the side, and we'll see what happens to him the long yeah. term. Yeah. Uh, but really, if you watch this game, and, and it's going to be hard for some of our listeners to hear this, the person who made this game happen for the Giants was just Daniel Jones. He was running around, he was scrambling, yeah. he got 59 yards yeah. rushing and a touchdown in addition to 321 in the air, two touchdowns and a pick. Um, you had a lot of opportunities for the top uh, Giants receivers. Yeah. Jalen Hyatt, Darren Waller, 
who did Do Darren Waller things. Um, Darius Slayton, even Isaiah Hodgins got into the game with a, good, a decent score. So yeah, Danny Dimes. I, I just yeah, I I just I don't know. I don't know what it is about Giants quarterbacks, but they're just always like it was the same with Eli Manning. It's this whole, you know, is he a Hall of Famer, isn't he? And 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 then always there's the argument, well, he won two Super Bowls and he beat Tom Brady. But then I, I hate to say, well, if you take those away, but if you you look at the, there were so many years where he like led the league in um, interceptions, but also yeah. he just wasn't very good. And and I I don't I I've never known really a quarterback that polarizing that can turn it on so much. And just you think that he's the second coming of like Joe Montana, and and then and then he'll just look absolutely god awful. And Danny Dimes is a bit like that too. Like as you say, he just ma he made that comeback happen. And there are times when he looks amazing, and there are other times when he just looks like the worst quarterback of all time. Um, so it's, it's it's really interesting. I just I don't know like where I stand with Daniel Jones. Like I just you know you just don't know what you're get going to get from him week in week out. Meanwhile, on the other side of the ball, Josh Dobbs actually looked halfway decent. Uh, he got himself a touchdown in the air, touchdown on the ground, put up a respectable 228 yards. James Conner had, him, had himself a game with 106 yards and a touchdown. Um, really, nobody from the wide receiver core stood out. Marquise Brown was their leader in points, but this was a James Conner and Josh Dobbs game. So yeah. we'll see if that can lend itself to being you know, successful, but I don't think success is on the Cardinals playbook this year. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, and I'm going to leave it at that. Um, you quickly, quickly before I move on to the last recap we have, uh, you brought up the game against the Colts last year, and I do at least want to mention that Anthony Richardson is currently in, in concussion protocol from the hit that he took against the Texans. Uh, he was starting to have himself a hell of a game. Uh, two rushing scores within the first five minutes of the game. So yeah. uh, I, I wish him a speedy recovery. He's one of those players so far we've seen in his short career that the game is better when he's on the field, and I want to see a lot more of him. Yeah. Last recap we've got, and the most it's just the most depressing one to be able to talk about, and that is the Browns versus Steelers, and we have to start with Nick Chubb's injury. Leg being bent in ways that legs are not meant to bend as a result of a Minka Fitzpatrick, quite frankly, dirty play. Um, he had about 64 yards rushing, but his season is over. Um, what was your reaction when you saw that hit? Um, just tough, really. He has been arguably the best running back, certainly the most consistent running back since he's in the NFL since he came into the league. Yeah. You just know every week he just turns up. He's a bell cow. He's a workhorse. Doesn't, he's, doesn't thump his chest. He just goes in no, and he just, does his yeah, job. Yeah. And he's, he's their best player. And he's now obviously out for a considerable amount of time. Who knows? I mean, you mentioned there's even the possibility of, being a, of, of it being a career-ending Injury it did not look and good. The, I have yeah. can't recall the last time I saw an injury like this, and the person came back and was anywhere close to where they were. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. It's it's can you come back? But then can you come back to the level that he he was? Um, and it's it's sad. I mean, you mentioned you know there's talk about their Minka Fitzpatrick kind of. It's almost like the play was over, going to be over, and he comes in and just takes his leg out basically but but the scale of it was just horrific just just sad just sad i i hope 
Nick Chubb comes back and, and is better than ever, but it, it's it's um it's going to be a long road, I think. Yeah, and uh, we have to chug forward because the game did continue. Um, from rushing standpoint, Cleveland did have a hundred yard rusher, Jerome Ford, who is going to be a prime fantasy waiver wire pickup this yeah. coming week in a lot yeah. of leagues. Uh, did get one hundred and six yards, and he had a long sixty nine yard breakout on one of those plays. Yeah, Deshaun Watson did a little bit on the ground. Um, he was serviceable through the air, but ultimately had a pretty bad completion percentage, 22 of 40. Uh, ended up getting 235, a touchdown, an interception. Broke six sacks, so he's holding the ball really, really long. Um, ends up looking more like, it appears, what you thought he was going to be as opposed to what I thought he was going to be. Yeah, it remains to be seen, but uh, yeah, he, he doesn't look like the Deshaun Watson that he was in Houston. Just doesn't. Amari Cooper looked good, though. He did, and I left him on the bench because we all knew that he was questionable <laughs> literally till an hour. In fact, I got a text from Mark saying um, Ian Rappaport was like, he's, he's active. And I just went again. I thought, you know what? He's injured. I've, and and it, we've seen it happens before with players. They say they're injured, they're active, and they do absolutely nothing. And I don't know why they suit up. And I think a lot of that is, you know, I don't know. So I, it didn't affect me, thankfully, or it didn't affect my results. But it could have done because he, mm-hmm. he, I think, seven receptions, 90 yards. He had a very good game. What do you think about the idea of every single week, maybe 10 minutes before kickoff, you set your lineup and then we just post who's on your bench so that players know who they should be starting? <laughs> you know what? It happens every week because everyone, <laughs> I'm like, oh, I should have played this person. I mean, the amount that this might be the week where I had the most points ever on my bench. It's insane. Everyone Did your bench like, outscore your starting lineup? I don't know. They may well have done. Hold on a second. I'm going to do some quick math here. 72, 87. You left more points on your bench than you put on your starting line by maybe three points. Look at that. Look at that. We should be allowed <laughs> to play our bench team. Oh. <laughs> and, and I even had Odell Beckham Jr. and Samajo P. Ryan on my bench, and I still managed to outscore my team. <laughs> that shows what I know. So shows what you know. Um, yeah. Looking at the Steelers side, the, the winning team was the home team, the Pittsburgh Steelers. T.J. Watt comes away with a pretty big fumble recovery in this game that really helps to set the pace as the game is going on. But Kenny Pickett puts up a game that's very similar to Sean Watson, pretty ho-hum, 222, 50% completion, touchdown and interception. Najee Harris, Jalen Warren had pretty pedestrian games, although, of course, as I mentioned before, Jalen Warren put up just enough points handy to beat me. George Pickens had himself a game. Four catches, 127 yards and a touchdown. Puts up a game like we think George Pickens can. But the rest of this team just looks a little, you know, unremarkable. So if you've got George Pickens on your team, you're probably starting him every week. Yeah. If you've got Najee Harris, even though he had a down game this week, you're probably starting him every week until until further notice. Any other further thoughts on this game? No, not really. Just, um, yeah, just sad sad about Nick Chubb, really. He was just one of the, I got I got the chance to be able to see him in college. I went to a Georgia Georgia Tech game uh, when Sonny Michelle and Nick Chubb were both on that Georgia running yeah. attack, and he was just something special. And I really yeah, hope everyone said that, that when this he came is out not college. the end. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, you, you just hate to see him. This coming week, there's going to be a, a Thursday night football game. Uh, it's going to be Giants at San Francisco. So two teams that got big wins this past week. I say big wins for New York just because they got the uh, the comeback. Yeah, it's going to be an exciting week. So 
E, since we're talking about next week, that can only mean one thing, and that means it's time for us to discuss our pickums for the week. For the second straight week in a row, our guest and Biz select the correct options, and I lose horrifically off of a comeback. <laughs> or, sorry, sorry, I lose horrifically off of a team that was winning and then decided not to win. So uh, my pick of the Broncos looked really good for three quarters and then suddenly was not. Uh, Biz, okay. great pick on the Dolphins, playing in Foxborough and taking away a, a fantastic win. Dolphins look like they may be the best team in the league. Um, I, wasn't, I, I wasn't surprised. I mean, I don't think the Patriots yeah. are very good. So I, was, I, I don't I think anybody did, a, no. Yeah, no. Although... The Patriots in back-to-back weeks to start the season, in losses, granted, in losses, have gone into Philadelphia and lost by one score, and have defended against the most explosive offense in the league and lost by one score. Now, granted, True. they're still 0-2, but it's not yeah. like they've been destroyed in these games. Yeah, no, that's true. That's true. And kudos to Improper Mark, who took what a lot of people would have thought as a gutsy pick for a pick'em league, picked the Falcons over the Packers and ended up getting that one-point victory to secure our guests to be undefeated just like Biz. So, I'm still looking at 0-2 and two on the board for me. Biz is sitting pretty with his uh, starting off the season without any issues, and it's not like he's picked like just like easy games. Uh, he picked the no. Saints in week one, and he picked the Dolphins in... Pick two. Biz, you're playing this this pickums pretty fantastically. Why? Well, thank you. Thank you. Um, I'm going to continue on this, although I've got to be the, the pick of the fixtures in Wii 3. There's only one game that comes to mind. Come on. The 0-2 Chargers are the 0-2 Vikings. I mean, I don't... I mean, who... who that, that is just going to be a classic because you've basically got two teams that don't want to win um, playing each other. So I personally just think they should call that a draw. My favourite coach going against my favourite quarterback in that one. So, um, so yeah. Um, <laughs> so there are two games that spring to mind. I'm tempted to, to think the Bengals' woes are going to continue. And I'm tempted to pick the Rams over the Bengals on Monday night. And the other game I was looking at, I just think, you know, Jordan Love has played pretty well. The Saints are 2-0 and too. But I just think going into Lambeau is going to be tough for the Saints. Yeah, oh, you know what? I am tempted to pick the Rams over the Bengals. Do you know what? I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna have the courage of my convictions to quote Skip Bayless, and um, I'm going to pick the Rams over the Bengals. Rams over Bengals. I like that as a pick. We don't know how uh, how Burrow is going to be recovering from retweaking the calf. Uh, there was some conversation that potentially he may not play this week, although I'd be very very shocked. But we'll see as that develops. Right. Maybe by the time the podcast goes live, there will be a lot more information about that. Mm. But Biz picking the Rams. So to start the season, you picked Saints, Dolphins, Rams. Really only one of those teams before the season people thought was going to be great. Saints and Rams. I I like the way you're picking this year. Last year, I don't think I picked the Seahawks until pretty late. And I don't think I'm going to make that mistake this year. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and take my homer pick this week. And I'm taking the Seahawks hosting Carolina. Uh, the Seahawks have a pretty rough schedule this year. Uh, the entire division is going to be very, very competitive. And right now, the, the Panthers are trying to figure out how to be able to make things work with Bryce Young. Mm. Uh, 
but the upcoming slate for the Seahawks is going to be things like at the Giants, and the Giants could just suddenly beat teams. And last year they were doing this. They were losing to bad teams. They were beating good teams. I don't know. Like, it, it's kind of just like a, a weird glitchy team. I don't want to be caught in a trap game. Yeah. Um, we get Cincinnati in a few weeks when Burrow may be healthy. We're going to be division game with the Cardinals, who is bad, but again, they play against uh, play well against us. Yeah. Then we get Cleveland, who can be good. The Ravens, Commanders are looking good. Rams, who can be good. So I'm looking at the entire season for the Seahawks, and this is probably the game that I'm like, you know, it, it, yes, any team can be risky to pick against, but at the same time, I think this is the best chance to say I get my homer Seahawks pick for the season. I didn't actually see that fixture because I probably would have gone with that one too. But um, <laughs> no, I'm going to stick with the Rams over the Bengals. Yeah. So our guest pick for this week is Jerry. And he is taking, and this was one that I was looking at too, as a, as a bit of a, as a punt. <laughs> as in the opposite way. So he's taking the Eagles over the Bucks, which is fair. But Ooh, I, I was looking at them start, too. Yeah, but I could, I could. I mean, that's fairly easy. I mean, going the other way, Baker Mayfield. On a tear, two and zero bucks. <laughs> He's looked really good to start he the has. year. He has, hasn't he? he really good. He He's, He's going to be on Evans. Monday Night Football at home. Yeah, Mike Evans went ballistic again. Ten, you know, hundred seventy-five yards. I think he, he he caught ten passes or something like that. So yeah, I was listening to I think Pro Football Focus's uh, podcast, and one of them had mentioned that there may be no more destructive force in the NFL than Baker Mayfield playing angry. <laughs> uh, no, it's true. And I think he does. He's, he, he has that wants to prove everyone wrong. He'll, he'll yep. show you for not believing in him. And I think this is that. He, I do feel a bit sore. He's bounced around so much. And he's, ne- he's never had a structure in place. He had that one season in Cleveland where he was, yep. he was really good. And we all saw what they did to the Steelers in the playoffs. And then it just kind of capitulated. There you go, our week three pickums. Uh, Biz takes the Rams, I get the Seahawks, and Jerry goes ahead and picks the defending NFC Conference champion Eagles. Be able to take out Baker Mayfield. You hear that, Baker? You hear that? <laughs> Are you angry? Are you angry? Prove the doubters wrong. Prove the haters wrong. You wanted to bring up, you know, we're a couple games from the season. Uh, we do have quite a few undefeated teams still, and we do have quite a few winless teams at this point, too. Yeah. So it's not a bad idea to take a look at which teams at this point of the season are undefeated. And I see you listing here, as far as teams that are 2-0 and and are surprising to some people, uh, the Commanders are 2-0, and the Bucks are 2-0, and the Saints are 2-0, yeah. the Falcons are 2-0. and There are three teams yeah. in the NFC South that are 2-0. and yeah. And other teams here, you know, Ravens, people thought, saw that coming, 49ers, Cowboys, Eagles. Uh, yeah. The Dolphins are there, and the Dolphins had that. Yeah, They had two of their biggest matchups in the first two weeks of the season. Yeah. At yeah. the Chargers and at the Patriots. So that's not a slouch either. No, I mean, you mentioned the Bucks, Saints, Commanders, Falcons, all 2-0. and I mean, mm-hmm. the Saints haven't really played well at all, and they're 2-0. and I mean, I don't even mm-hmm. know, like, they haven't had... You know, they, they haven't played the Chiefs both times and they haven't played, you know, the 49ers, but yeah, a win is a win. And they're 2 0. The you can only too. play the teams in front of you. Exactly. The Bucks, we just talked about it 2 0 mm-hmm. with Baker Mayfield. Just, you know, Mike Evans had a great game. And so, yeah, maybe there is some, there are always, you would talk about this, there are always teams every year that people think are going to be rubbish and they, they rebuild, they do something different and they prove people wrong. And I think we're already seeing that. 
For me, though, the Dolphins at two and zero, oh, I'm I'm not surprised. That's I'm impressive. just really uh, it's impressive because of who they played. But I'm also yeah. just they beat the Patriots on you know away in a divisional matchup. Uh, the Patriots aren't very good, but it is hard to do. And obviously, the first week against the Chargers. But I'm just to me, they're like everyone's second favorite team, and I think it's partly because of the, how explosive they are on mm-hmm. offense, but also because of Tua's struggles. And I mean, even he's kind of like a, a weirdly with Jalen Hurts because they both played at Alabama, but his story's kind of similar because when he came out, people were like not even sure whether he was going to be a first choice quarterback, and he had some struggles. And then last year he was unbelievable, and then he had those yeah. concussion issues and injury issues. People weren't even sure if he was going to come back or what was going to be their quarterback situation. And he has he has played really well. And and they've got Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill. Obviously, they've got a pretty decent defense too. So I'm excited to see them going forward. And I just hope Tua stays healthy because I love I love watching the Dolphins play. I think they're really really interesting. So yeah, I mean the Dolphins are kind of my my sort of pick like as a as a kind of 2-0 and o team that I think will continue. Uh, I would agree with that as well. I love the way that the Dolphins are playing, but I'm going to go ahead and, and select another team that I'm going to highlight then, and that's going to be the Philadelphia Eagles. They're continuing to play the tough games. Uh, mm-hmm. They're playing teams that are historically good. I mean, we don't think of the Patriots as being a great team, but at the same time, people take them very seriously. Uh, the Vikings were a playoff team last year, and they put up 28 points. They're going to go to Tampa Bay, and then they're going to be playing Washington. Uh, they don't play a team with a losing record at this point until they get the Jets in mid-October. So they're going Tampa, Commanders, and Rams. And you could argue that the best team out of those three is going to be the Rams, based off of what we see. But mm. we're, we're seeing the success. And then after, after that, they get the Jets for a game. And then they get Dolphins, Commanders, Cowboys, Chiefs, Buffalo, Niners, Cowboys, Seahawks. So yeah, the Eagles team has got kind of a yeah they've got a murderer's row of a schedule, but you know what this team has got a lot of exciting pieces and I, yeah. I think they're going to come out better than people are looking at their schedule as. Yeah, looking at the flip side, the teams that I have started the season zero and two include teams such as the Patriots, Vikings, Chargers, Panthers, Texans, Cardinals, Bears, Broncos, and Bengals. So you have three playoff teams from last year in the Chargers, Vikings, and Bengals, and you're going to be seeing two of them play against each other this coming week. Who? Uh, it was Chargers and Vikings, is that right? Yeah, I mean, look, I, I mean, is anyone surprised the Chargers are 0-2? I mean, Brandon Staley's their coach, like enough no. said. I mean, is that... I'm, the they Vikings. went for it on fourth and four in the four, first quarter in their own territory. <laughs> well, I did... Re- <laughs> I I um I did read it. I think I was watching some um some analysis yesterday, and and someone said, I mean, in a way, in their their defense, they because the Chargers have put up points. They scored what thirty four, thirty five in the. Uh, Ellen Morris been doing a great job, right? And then that's what he came in for, and then they put up twenty four away to Tennessee. That's that's pretty impressive, and they it's still absolutely. lose. So I don't know what's going on defensively there, which is again, dare I say, Brandon Staley's strong point. He's a defensive coach. You know what? Anything the Chargers do, and I, some other analysis as well said, you know, I think it was Herm Edwards saying they should be challenging the Chiefs. They should, that with the amount of talent on that team, they are as good as the Chiefs on paper. And again, they just, they just no one trusts the Chargers. 
They're going to go up and down. There's going to be a couple of weeks where they look unbeatable. But no one is surprised they're Roman two. I'm not because you know they've got they got that guy as their coach. So and they just don't can't figure it out. Uh, Vikings again. I'm not surprised. Be- um, before we move on to the Vikings, do you think that there's a chance by the end of the season that Kellen Moore is the interim head coach for the Chargers? No, because I think their ownership clearly and their front office clearly believe in Brandon Staley. Because we talked about this last year. He, yeah, I think other teams he should have been gone by now. I mean, I mean, really, after what happened against Jacksonville, and you get to keep your job after being what, you know, a hundred points up at halftime. I mean, come uh, on, it was like, about one hundred and seventy-six. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's just you know, there are very few teams that I think someone would be allowed to keep their job doing that. Um, yeah. And you know, you know, and, and I also feel even the players like, is it easy to play for him after like? And I know the players go out there, but he is still the like the, the CEO. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't think so. I think Brandon Staley is going to be their coach for for quite a while. Um, the Vikings, I'm not surprised about. Again, you just can't trust Kirk Cousins. Uh, the Bengals, obviously, I'm surprised about. But the sort of mitigating circumstances are yeah. that Joe Burrow was injured. But I do think there's just something not right there. And it'll be interesting to see whether they get it right. They did have a pretty rough two first games. They played against the... Cleveland Miles Garretts, and they played against the Baltimore Ravens in the first two games of the season, and those are two tough games for him. But he gets the Rams this next week. Uh, he gets the Titans, who the Titans aren't a slouch, but the Titans, you know, they're there. And then he gets the Cardinals, so he's going to have a few weeks when he's hopefully healthy, but I'm not shocked that the Bengals slumped to start the season because of, you know, we talked about it before, the injury and who they were playing to start the season. Part of the reason why I was down on them on a playoff pick is because how their season starts with the mm. schedule and his injury. But hopefully you want to see better things out of them because Joe Burrow is one of the reasons why you want to watch the game. I think that that's going to bring our episode to a close. Uh, do you have any shout-outs? I do. Quickly, I want to shout out Mark for, for filling in for me. You know, I'm very tough, you know, obviously. Improper Mark. To fill in. Yes. Yeah, obviously not you. I mean, of course, I would, I would not shout out you, Mark. Um, but um, yes, I would love to shout out Improper Mark. Um, did a great job filling in for me in the podcast. And um, yeah, it was, it was great. Uh, did a great job. So, so cheers. Um, I do have a couple of other shouts. So I'm going to shout out Fiji for beating Australia in the Rugby World Cup last, last week which was unbelievable. Fiji are pretty good. They actually beat England in a warm-up game before the World Cup, and they should have beaten Wales in their first game. Um, and they beat Australia, a top-tier nation, even though Australia have been pretty rubbish recently. But kudos to them. It's kind of thrown that group in the Rugby World Cup wide open. And last but not least, you are going to love this. Obviously, I haven't been on the podcast for a couple of weeks. I'm going to shout out my favourite tennis player. I'm going to shout out the Joker. Look, we all know how I feel about him, but what he's done now equaled Margaret Court's 24 Grand Slams. I mean, he just shows no signs of slowing down. Um, yeah. An amazing feat. There is no debate that he is the GOAT. Um, and, you know, people talked about Carlos Alcaraz, who is amazing. But as soon as Medvedev beat Carlos Alcaraz in the semis, I was just like, this is over. Djokovic is going to annihilate him. And we saw what happened. But a massive achievement. So, so kudos to, to you. I want to give a shout out to everybody's favorite name to say in the NFL now, and that's Puka Nakua, uh, who has just shown that he belongs in the NFL. He has set multiple records, uh, three records for rookies at this point. He has the most receptions for a rookie 
in his first two games. He had has had 25 receptions in the first two games. The previous record was 19. He's also the first rookie to have double-digit receptions in each of his first two games. And what might be the most impressive is in this past week against the 49ers, Puka Nakua had 15 receptions in one game, which is the most for any rookie in any game ever. Hats off to him. Amazing. But... We're going to see more of that. Um, if you like the episode, go ahead and reach out to us on our Twitter at Improper Fantasy. Our email address, if you want to reach out to us there, is improperfantasypodcast at gmail.com. And Biz, my mug is empty, and that can only mean one thing, and that's say cheers. Cheers. Till next time.